you need to have that mindset going into this that I am going to be stronger because of this. I am going to be better because of this. And life happens for me, not to me. I am the active participant. I am going to take this on. Watch me roar. Welcome to You Cured What? The podcast of reversing the irreversible. This is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, enjoy the You Cured What? conversation. Before we start in with this podcast of healing, I want to plug another project I've been working on, a website of healing, disease-reversals.com. Disease-reversals.com is an online grassroots catalog of healing. It catalogs disease reversal stories posted online across the web, across the world. It categorizes them by disease and by diet used. There are already hundreds of disease reversals cataloged at disease-reversals.com. This website is for anyone asking, can my condition, say, type 2 diabetes, be improved with diet? Check out disease-reversals.com and see what has been happening in the real world. Oh, heal yeah. Disease-reversals.com. My guest today has a wealth of experience improving health, the world's leading nutritional biochemist, and a former chief clinical dietitian. He has counseled thousands of people on natural health solutions, and he has personally overcome various health issues, including Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, depression, a pituitary tumor, and more. Listeners, I'm excited to welcome the ingredientologist, Sean Wells, to the podcast. How are you today, Sean? Great, and thank you for pronouncing ingredientologist right. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of times I listener. get ingredientologist. <laughs> it sounds very odd, but yeah, I am uh, it's, uh, a, a name that I came up with... Uh, self-dubbed if you will it's a it's a scientist of ingredients and i've uh i started out in clinical dietetics and then moved into formulations and then started started patenting novel ingredients and then working on anti-aging serums cleaning products food products flavoring systems so i just consider myself passionate about ingredients that we put in and on our bodies and that's where the ingredientologist thing comes from. Well, that's amazing. And I, I have a feeling we're going to hear some of the details of uh, some ingredients that have been helpful in uh, in your life. Um, I'm curious, you know, I rattled off a bunch of health issues there at the beginning mm-hmm. that you've personally dealt with. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background on your health history? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I grew up uh, a difficult childhood, like probably many have. 
with a chaotic home. My two brothers ran away and uh, I was bullied pretty badly at school, made fun of. And, you know, I was overweight uh, pretty badly. And I not only that, I had like a large rear end and, and big legs, which, you know, as a boy is just it's tough. And uh, so I got made fun of a lot and got called fat ass all the time. And, you know, even teachers sometimes would, would jump in and it was pretty harsh. And uh, I, I uh, dove into video games and more junk food and kind of going into my own world and uh, definitely wasn't the, uh, the one getting the, the girl at the dance or, or um, you know, first picked on the team or any of that stuff. So, you know, I became good at, you know, the comedy and uh, making fun of myself before others could and being kind of a class clown. And, and that got me through humor. Uh, but it was about uh, between my sophomore, sophomore and junior year of college that I started working out. Creatine had just come out. I was taking protein powders and getting some good results at the gym. I was leaning out, putting on some muscle and people were surprised and people were talking to me like, Hey, what's going on? Like, you know, cause I've always been the fat kid, the kid that was laughed at. I was, you know, six to 300 pounds and, um, and fought a lot of depression. And, you know, it was that, it was that point that I'd started leaning up. And, and I remember going to my, my doctor in between my sophomore and junior year and saying, um, Hey doc, like, I love all this stuff. What do you think about creatine, protein, you know, working out and, you know, this amino acid stack and this and that. And he drew out this lifeline for me between 20 and 80 and said, why not be happy between here and here? I didn't even tell him, you know, that I didn't like, I was in business school. I didn't tell him that I didn't like it. And, and I really didn't. I mean, I've ended up finishing school and, you know, getting magna cum laude at this business specialty school. And uh, that was great uh, to do marketing and, and information systems, computers. Uh, but then I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. I want to go become a formulator. I want to get into nutrition and do biochemistry and be a registered dietitian and all this stuff. And, uh, and he gave me permission to do that. His words changed my path. And it was once I got out of uh, my undergrad and, and my parents were down in North Carolina so I could get in-state tuition, I went to UNCG to get all my prereqs because I wanted to get a master's in nutritional biochemistry at Chapel Hill. That was my dream school. Uh, they had an incredible program. but So I was going in to see the guidance counselor at UNC Greensboro. And I told him about my plan and my timeline, and he just laughed at me. He's like, that's 26 credit hours uh, a semester of pure sciences. You're a business student. You'll fail and you'll fail miserably. And you're not even in that good of shape. And I left his office crying. And that night I almost killed myself because I had been hanging on that dream uh, for so long, you know, that that became like my new passion, my new purpose, my new why and he destroyed it. So like one man wasn't even asked to say anything to me and gave me my purpose, gave me my dream. And another man basically took it away and almost, and I almost killed myself. So, I mean, just 
just to throw that out there, the power of words, the power of what you say to someone and how much it will impact them. I don't think people have uh, a realization of, of, of how much gravity there is with that um, for good, for good or for ill. And um, I ended up not killing myself. <laughs> Obviously I'm here and having like a lot of resolve to, you know, I, I said, screw this guy. I'm going to do this thing. You know, after I was very close to, taking pills and alcohol and all that stuff and just checking out. And I ended up uh, getting straight A's. I thought of that guy every single day. Like people wanted to go out and party, wanted to go drink, all this stuff. And I was like, no, I'm focused, man. And, uh, and that guy, in a way, he gave me my dream too, just not in a positive way. Like he was probably a part of it. I don't know if I would have had that much passion had it not been for him. Uh, ended up getting into Chapel Hill and um, but it was about halfway through Chapel Hill and I was again I was working at GNC's I was working hard on my master's I was doing a minor in exercise science I was you know working out I was just pushing myself pretty hard um, and the expectations kind of grew and grew and grew for me of becoming the guru of being the best and my whole body shut down. Um, I ended up getting Epstein-Barr virus, uh, which is also known as mono, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, Hashimoto's, and strep throat. Like, I couldn't get out of bed for about six months. And again, thought about killing myself because, again, my dream was taken away and I thought, I will never be a productive member of society. I will never be able to go back to school. I will never have a real job because my whole day revolved around, can I get out of bed today for an hour? Wow. You know, when, it, when it first hit me, I was in the mall and I had to lay down for three hours in the mall on a bench because I was so tired. And, and I, it took all my strength to get back out to my car uh, and I knew something was really wrong. I mean, when uh, people don't realize how brutal like mono can be. And for about a third of people out there, like it sticks with you kind of for the rest of your life, like with chronic fatigue. And so it was me digging into keto and finding that about 20 years ago, uh, that was, that was my path out. I felt so much better. I felt like I got my energy back. I was able to get back to class. I felt productive again. And as long as I stayed on that diet, like I, I felt great. And so that was, that was my solution then. And then years later, about eight years ago, I was working with Dimatize, another dream job when I, that was my first job in the industry. Once I got out of clinical dietetics, um, that I was formulating supplements for a huge company. And I was working 70, 80 hours a week. I was pushing myself. I wasn't always staying strict to my diet. I was just sometimes it was vending machine stuff and, you know, whatever, when you're working that hard. And so I probably got off my, my routines and I got a brain tumor. And that's when, you know, again, I got serious uh, because the risk for cancers is dramatic. And, and it could take my life. So I decided at that point, okay, I'm going to dial in 
my ketogenic diet, but I do cyclical and targeted. So I have carbs. I just plan them. Uh, I'm on like a paleo whole food type diet. I stay strict with my supplements that work for me for both my immune system and for energy. I do regular blood work and functional slash integrative health medicine. Um, and I'm just, I'm on my path and I have de-stressing techniques and, you know, things I do with like meditation and, and gratitude and saunas and hot and cold showers and all these things that I know how to do. Um, and so far everything's been good. So that this year I have actually spent a lot of time delving into probably the most important type of health. And that's been mental health for me. Uh, I've fought depression and suicidal thoughts most of my life. And like I said, got pretty close a couple times. And I have decided that like I was supposed to be traveling 300 days this year. Um, and COVID just shut all that down. And, and I'm thankful for that because I was able to really go inward and start working with therapists, working with plant medicine, working with a hypnotherapist, working with mentors, reading books, listening to podcasts, like straightening out my priorities for my work, setting boundaries. Like, so it was just a, a complete restart that I needed. Um, and it's all about learning to love myself instead of being so driven for achievement because of the depression, because of the pain, because of not feeling loved enough. And so like, you know, now I'm working on what should have probably been that foundation to all these biohacks. Um, but, but, you know, that's, I'm, I'm still proud that I'm here and, and that pain and suffering has, has led me to the passion of trying to figure out how to fix myself. And it's led me to have empathy for people around me. So now I care a lot about these people that, that come to me or connect with me. And I have the passion to have really good answers to, to help them. So I'm so glad about everything that's happened the way it's happened. It's everything happens for you, not to you. And, and I believe that. Well, that's terrific. And I'm sure that mindset has served you well. Um, you know, you just, you touched on so many things there uh, and so many rabbit holes we could go down. I know one of the things that jumped out at me right away, you said, you know, it was about 20 years ago, um, you, you hopped on keto. Um, so I'm curious um, and, you know, for any listeners, I think a lot of our listeners probably are familiar with the ketogenic diet. Some may not be. Um, it's more popular now. How did you stumble upon um, the idea of a ketogenic diet 20 years ago? Yeah, it was message boards. You know, there were things like Atkins uh, back then. But, um, I mean, ketogenic diet has been around since the 1920s with uh, people that had epilepsy. So. You know, it was in smaller groups back then. And I was digging around on message boards and, and found that some people were getting good results with these autoimmune conditions. And and uh, that's where I started. And it definitely helped. And I've been on it ever since. So once you adopted that um, ketogenic diet, and that's, a, you know, again, in case anyone's unfamiliar with it, it's a low carbohydrate, high fat, you know, typically high fat diet, maybe moderate protein, 
there are different ways you can uh, formulate it, but um, that's the, the most common description of the ketogenic diet. Um, once you adopted that, what was the timeline like on when some of uh, your conditions started to improve? Because you have both you know, mental health, physical health, um, fatigue. Um, yeah, can you describe maybe the timeline and kind of how things started to um, unroll from there? Um, yeah, the timeline once once I started the ketogenic diet, um, how it moved forward. Yeah, once I started, um, you know, I was also a kid in college, so I wasn't, even though I was getting my degree in nutrition, it was more around bodybuilding and sports performance than it was longevity. And a lot of what I was getting taught was just so out of date to me anyways with the, you know, eat 60 grams of protein a day and like all this stuff. It was like, whatever. <laughs> um, so that was, that was frustrating, but certainly keto at the time, I mean, it's still being debated in, in on a collegiate level, academic level. I mean, back when I was doing it, they thought it was lunacy because low fat was all the rage. So, um, but for me, like I was literally just eating out a lot and, you know, eating kind of what now they call dirty keto or lazy keto. Um, it wasn't until later that I kind of like, you know, that I really owned my own place and, and took charge of my own health and, and really thought more about the paleo side of it and kind of eating whole food. Again, that happened like around the time of the brain tumor, like maybe eight years ago that I really took a lot of steps. Um, so it was a strict ketogenic diet when I first started. Uh, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, it was like, you know, things like eating a Burger King patty with lettuce, tomato, and a lot of mayonnaise or something, you know, <laughs> it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessarily the healthiest thing, but I did lose the weight that I had. I stayed lean. And I was actually working out and put on muscle and, um, and I felt great. So, you know, despite the fact that it wasn't what we would call like a perfect, you know, healthy diet or, or a whole foods diet or non-processed food diet, I did pretty well. And then over time to help me stick with the diet, because I would have periods where I just go out with friends and have drinks and then, you know, have onion rings and beer and whatever. And and then there you are like falling off the, the wagon and you just, you stay off the wagon. And, and it took me a while to figure out how to do targeted and cyclical ketogenic diets so I could have some carbs, but plan it in and then get on my diet and stay on my diet for life. So that was, that was an adjustment um, and like I said, it was about eight years ago when I did the, the paleo component and that helped me with my energy. And now I'm really dialed to where, you know, I have about two meals a week on that cyclical where I just, I have whatever I want. Say it's like Saturday lunch and Saturday, you know, dinner, maybe where I go out with friends and I can have pizza and cake and whatever I want. And then, you know, the next day, um, I'm back on my, you know, diet and, and I do what I do. And sometimes maybe even I fast after that. But the thing is like, you have to remember that 
you know, if you have one meal that's healthy and you have 20 meals that are fast food and garbage, that one meal is not going to move the needle. And the, the reverse is true. So don't listen to the militant people that you can't have that. Like, you know, your diet's ruined. You're killing yourself, whatever. What matters is that you make it a lifestyle choice and you don't deprive yourself. What you do over time is just plan around it. And if you want it, enjoy it, have it, make it worthwhile, like savor it while you're having it, live life. Yeah. And then, you know, if you can have a little less, cool. That's cool. I had some, I don't need a lot. You know, like I remember when I was, you know, doing my diet and I might have some cake at a party and I'm like, that wasn't worth it. Like, so now when I do have my quote unquote cheats and I don't like that word because I plan for it and it's okay to have it yeah. is I say, it's gotta be worth it. So now I'm very selective about like, you know, these decadent carbs I might have. I'm like, no, it's, it's gotta be better than that. So I'll, I'll just, I'll hold off for, for another meal or, or a different thing. And so that's worked out well for me is, you know, I've maintained my weight because like, I went from being 300 pounds and obese to 150 pounds of being anorexic because of my depression and, and mental health issues. Uh, I was literally at 6'2", like, skeleton for for my body weight and for my body type and uh and it wasn't healthy and i would literally go pee and see how much i weighed after that and you know it was it was just those were dark times too uh when i was anorexic and then i had a phase where i was orthorexic where i was working out in the gym four hours a day and if i like finished my workout and i didn't get protein and then you know in 15 minutes my i was going catabolic and I was losing my muscle and like all these things that were programmed into me and everything had to be perfect. Everything had to be just so. And it's taken me a long time to like find balance and live my life and not listen to all these people that don't know me and don't understand me and are, you know, hateful uh, quite often and very miserable in their own lives uh, that are giving advice. And so you know, I'm at a point now where I'm just, you know, happy with who I am. I'm looking to maintain a happy, healthy life and have energy for the rest of my life and hopefully have a long life. And so that's, that's the way I'm approaching all this. Like it's not eight to 12 weeks. It's, it's the next 50 years. That's a, a really good way to look at it. You're looking at the sustainability over the long term. It's not a not like you're looking at this as a crash diet or a crash intervention. It seems like you're trying to put into practice both dietary and mindset, um, you know, practices that can benefit you now in the short term, but also can continue um, to be doable um, over the long term. And I'm curious with that. You know, you've you've mentioned a lot of a lot of things that encompass both uh, physical health and mental health. And, um, you know, that's everything from uh, body image to um, energy levels to uh, depression and also fatigue. I guess, can you speak a little bit to um, how, how you've noticed over time as your um, 
health has improved, um, how has the physical, um, physical health of your body um, interacted with your mental health? Yeah, I mean, they're so tied in together. Like if you think about in my book that's coming out, uh, the energy formula has me thinking a lot about this. And this year has me thinking a lot about this is the idea of resilience. And my friend Keith Norris that runs Paleo FX calls it being harder to kill. And uh, resilience is your ability to bounce back, to deal with stress. And in our body, we have something called allostatic load. And it's that stress bucket. And it's how much stress you can fit in your bucket. And some people have larger buckets and some people have smaller buckets. And if you have that stoic mindset where the obstacle is the way where you actually cherish obstacles in your path and you know that adversity is going to bring strength, uh, will improve you. Iron sharpens iron that you know that like that's making you better and stronger, just like going to the gym. Um, then you have a very different approach. You're not like, Oh, this again, why me? Can't believe this crap figures, you know, like when people start talking like that, uh, it's a very different mindset from, you know, I'm going to like be my best. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to like, celebrate when I get to the other side of this and be so much better for it. I'm going to inspire people around me with how well I'm going to take this and move past it. You know, that kind of thing. That's what we look for in leaders is, is that resilient mindset, but your body just knows stress. Like there's uh, the autonomic nervous system and there's, you know, you can be in fight or flight mode, which is sympathetic nervous system and, and, rest and digest, which is parasympathetic. We're typically way too dominant and sympathetic. Uh, we do very little, like unlike most cultures, these blue zones that have lots of their eating is parasympathetic. It's a relaxing three hour event where they take their time and commune and fellowship. Um, you know, they do meditations, daily affirmations, gratitude. They spend time outside. They slow down. They pray. You know, and we're just not good at any of those. We just need to go, go, go Red Bull, 80 miles an hour down the highway, vending machines, fast food, like uh, watch Game of Thrones and you get home. And, you know, it's just like it's extreme all the time. And that's taking a toll on our on our nervous system, the autom autonomic nervous system. And therefore, like our stress bucket isn't getting a chance to have more room to take on stress, um, be it physical stress or mental stress. There's, there's a bell curve, if you will, of, of kind of that allostatic load too, where there's one side of the curve, like on that tail is not enough stress. Think of it as like going to the gym and you're just picking up five pound dumbbells and you walk slowly on a treadmill for an hour. You're not really going to do a whole lot. In the middle of that bell curve is the eustress, and that means good stress. And that's where, like, you're getting stuff done. You're lifting the right amount of weight. You're doing high-intensity interval training, but you're not overtraining. Overtraining would be the other tail of that bell curve, 
where it's now become a distress that you're doing too much training and you're doing also another term instead of overtraining is under recovering. So physical and mental are tied deeply to each other. So if I do things like hot and cold showers, it's called uh, contrasting where I'm putting my body under like greater stressors of high temperatures and, and low temperatures and going back and forth, my body is able to deal with mental stress better. And if I get this uh, ability to do meditation and I improve with mindfulness and I'm doing stoic kind of thinking with the obstacles the way, then I'm going to be able to deal with physical stress more. You know, so they just go hand in hand and you need to have that mindset going into this that I am going to be stronger because of this. I am going to be better because of this. And life happens for me, not to me. I am the active participant. I am the X in this equation. I am going to take this on and just, you know, watch me roar. Um. That's uh, really terrific. And, um, you know, I think you've mentioned a few of these, but um, as you as you talked about, um, you know, kind of stoic philosophy and the obstacle is the way on your personal journey to health. What have some of the biggest obstacles been? Oh, boy, (laughs) that's a great question. I think the biggest obstacles is me. Um, I think I've, but I'm, but I'm still, I don't look back to on anything with regret. I, that's where I'm at now because everything has led me to this point. And if I was to change anything, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have the empathy I have. I wouldn't have the passion I have. And that's the whole point of what I'm saying about the obstacles the way I've been sick in bed. I've been, three or four times thought about very much killing myself and was very close. Um, You know, I have had all these health issues. I have been bullied and laughed at, and I still wouldn't go back and change anything. Um, It's all like given me, you know, Simon Sinek talks about start with your why, like this has given me my why and my why is my passion and my purpose and that's so key to longevity is to have passion and purpose. So if I look back on my life, I, I just, I don't have any regrets. I actually feel blessed. I feel blessed to have all the things that have had happen to me in just the right way. So that when I meet someone, I feel confident that I can be like that doctor was for me and change their life instead of like that guidance counselor was to me and send them down the wrong path. And I'm, you know, mindful of the impact I'm having on other people, but I'm also blessed to like be grounded, you know, through all the, the, uh, you know, troubles that I've been through all the issues I've been through. Um, so that I, I look back on it all as, as positive in its own way. Like I've been able to, um, bring it out through therapy, look at it, reframe it. That's so key. Like people that are successful are really good reframers. 
They can take something that, you know, someone would typically think is bad and turn it into motivation or also render it powerless because we put our own stories on everything that are not necessarily true. If you work with a therapist, like, especially like kind of like Byron Katie style work, you go back and you look at this story that you've held on to and you examine it for all that it is. And you say, is that actually true? Like, is that actually the way it happened? Was this person actually thinking with that intent that you're thinking? And typically, no. Like, a lot of the pain that we absorb is just someone not having the proper tools, maybe not loving themselves enough. And and often they're not trying to do malintent to you. Like, they're not as nefarious as, like, you made it out to be. So those are all like lessons that I've learned along the way. And I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of, of where I'm at. And, and that stuff doesn't hold the same power over me. And, and I have zero regrets. Like that's, that's the way I want to live. I don't want to look back on anything and say, oh, I wish I'd change that. Or I hate that about myself. Like I love all the things about myself and ultimately it's my hero's journey. The obstacle was my way and I'm so glad I overcame it. And I'm literally proud of myself. I would not be proud of myself if everything was just given to me and I just had a charmed life. Right. Well, that's a great way to look at things. And, you know, it's obvious you've put a lot of uh, time and effort into cultivating the right uh, mindset and the, the right way to look at things that enable you to, uh, feel more in control of, of your life. And, um, you know, I think it's, um, it's a really great thing that you now, um, you focus on helping other people too with, uh, with their lives. Are there any, um, you know, if someone comes to you looking for, um, for tips about how they could improve their mindset. Is, is there, um, you know, any initial kind of standard uh, advice that you give or a, a practice that you uh, really recommend to get someone out or to get someone started working on improving their mindset? Yeah, a couple things. One, I'm not going to delve too far into religion, but religion can sometimes be, extremely helpful in terms of connecting with God and, and um, absolving yourself and, and finding inner peace, but religion organized religion can also lead to a lot of shame and guilt. So I would say it's very important that you take a look at that and see you have to have things in your life that are, that are lifting you up and making you stronger. And so I think you just need to look at that one carefully because that one can be damaging. I believe in the wrong situation, irrespective of faith. Um, I think after that, it's important to surround yourself with the right people. You're a product of the people around you. It's garbage in garbage out, right? Like you have to, Surround yourself with great intention. Pick mentors that are the right people that can help you go further. What are the things you want to accomplish in your life? Now, select some mentors and say, hey, 
you know, can you check in with me for an hour, twice a week, or, you know, once a week or whatever it is. And don't have it just be people that are random or in, in your life by happenstance. You don't want like just neighbors and coworkers and family members that are just there because, because they have proximity to you. I mean, choose people that are powerful at challenging you, lifting you up and taking you to another level where you want to be. If you say, I admire this friend for being generous. I admire this friend for being a brilliant entrepreneur. I admire this friend for the way he holds himself in his faith. I admire this friend for, you know, whatever, like then choose your five and say, these are the people I'm going to gravitate to emulate and also provide value to. You're not just taking from people, but it's a reciprocal relationship. So give to those people freely if they're giving to you. Um, and it's, and you'd be surprised. Like if you ask someone like, Hey, would you mind? Like I'll do, you know, five hours of work for you. Like, every couple of weeks, if we can spend a couple hours on the phone and you can help me and you'd be surprised what happens. So that's a big one. Uh, I think a, a great book, I've mentioned the obstacles, the way and start with your why, but a great book for me that was a profound shift was uh, the four agreements. And I think that's one that everyone should read because there's so many of these things that will help put perspective in your life. Uh, people are projecting out on you all the time. It's not, it's rarely about you. It's about them and projecting out their own insecurities, hurt people, hurt people. And so once you learn to understand that and reframe that, uh, what people say has a lot less power over you. Um, but it's also interesting from the flip perspective, I've learned that when I give compliments to people, I'm actually giving compliments to myself. It's the things I see in myself and other people that I admire, but I'm too scared to say about myself. Like we'll say, oh man, they're so amazing and kind and brilliant and creative. And those are the things you actually believe about yourself, but you're not saying enough about yourself. There's actually an exercise that you can go through that does this, where you talk about the three people dead or alive that you would have at a dinner and you list the the three traits you like about each one of them. And then lastly, you list one person that you absolutely hate and do not want at that dinner. And so when you go through these nine characteristics of, I don't know, Da Vinci, Elon Musk and, you know, whoever, you'll you'll see that these are all things that are your traits that you admire about yourself. And the one that's from the person that you would not have at the dinner is what you struggle with. If someone gets under your skin and, and like, you don't even know why, because like if it's something you're not struggling with, people wouldn't get under your skin when they're getting under your skin. It's something you're struggling with. That's your issue because you are dealing with that with yourself something you don't like about yourself. So it's, it's a very interesting process to go through to get honest and start looking in the mirror. And there actually is like great mirror work that you can do with like daily affirmations and things like that, where you talk to yourself and say positive words to yourself. I'm telling you to surround yourself with people that say positive things to you, but you need to be saying positive words to you. 
because most of the language that comes out of your mouth is negative about yourself. When you say figures, should have been, could have, I hate that about me. I'm so stupid. God, you know, like all these things, it's, it's just terrible what we say about ourselves. And if anyone else talked to us like we talked to us, we wouldn't be their friend. So why are you tolerating it from you? Start changing your words and you can change your life. If you start saying like, I believe I can do this. Like I'm a powerful person. I'm, my abilities are amazing. I'm very creative, very generous and very kind. And I'm going to show the world today and step out into yourself. Be proud of yourself. Don't let other people project their own insecurities on you that don't know you or even care about you. So that's where I would start. Well, that's really terrific advice. I think it, you know, it shows how tied together everything is, you know, you're talking about, um, you made a lot of comments there about uh, relationships and how important those are. I, I think just all of these things, um, everything going on around you, whether it's the food you eat or the people you surround yourself with, the thoughts that you're allowing um, to guide your own self-esteem, your own self, um, how you think about yourself, um, these things are all kind of environment and they all, they all really have a big impact on, uh, how you experience the world and how you go about your day. Um, so, you know, as I hear you talk about all of these different aspects, it just, it really makes me think, wow, it it is all connected. Mm. Um, and you know, with that, I know, um, you know, you mentioned, I believe it was about eight years ago, um, you know, you found out about the pituitary tumor. Um, you know, in, in the eight years since then, um, you know, how has that progressed? Is that, um, you know, I know you, you've mentioned that your energy still feels good and, you know, you're still feeling good. I'm curious, um, has there been any change one way or another in the tumor? Uh, yes. Yes. So I've been able to keep it at bay with medication and diet. I'm on a drug called cabergoline that is a dopamine agonist and it keeps it small. But I also, like I said, eat paleo, eat keto, do all the things to, I mean, my propensity right now is to have high risk for brain cancer. So I'm doing all the things I know how to do to minimize that risk. Again, like, you know, healthy thoughts, healthy exercises, uh, eating the right food and taking supplements and hydrating and sleeping and all the things I know how to do that hopefully will, will lead to a long, healthy life for me. But, um, you know, I don't feel there's a danger in biohacking and also with like gathering metrics that you can feel like you're damned. There's this movie Gattaca, uh, that I think is amazing. If you've never seen it, watch it. Um, it's the letters actually in your DNA sequence, the guanine, adenine, uh, thymine. Yeah, I think. And cytosine. Um, but anyway, uh, Gattaca, and it's about this future where they predict, like they kind of tell you where you're supposed to work based on your genetics and natural born people 
are looked down on as inferior to like this kind of um, chosen born, you know, like the way they take the best sperm and the best egg and, and they run it through these processes and make sure they don't have, you know, these DNA issues, these, you know, SNPs, SNPs. And there's a scene in the movie where the one brother that's natural born uh, is swimming out in the ocean uh, with his with his brother that's that's a chosen one, and the brother that's a natural born beats him, and the one that's that's chosen born is like, how do you do it? Like he's he's angry that he lost. Like how do you do this? And he said, like I saved nothing for the swim back. And I just, that always stuck with me, like your genetics, uh, you know, it's interesting data and, you know, whether it's heart rate variability or your weight or, you know, your blood work or whatever this data is that you're looking at, that biohackers look at, don't let that define you or damn you. Let it be what it is. It's just numbers that are guidance, but there's nothing epigenetics is is really where it's at, that we can change over time. And your thoughts can change your genetics. The food can change your genetics. The sleep can change your genetics. The, you know, the mindset, like just literally everything changes your genetics over time. And so you can have that powerful mindset to change you for the better, but don't feel like you're somehow broken. Like we're all how we're meant to be. And so I, that's just the way I look at it is um, I, I don't let those things define me, but, but they just guide me. That, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that uh, way of thinking, you know, genes are not destiny. Um, and, you know, for any listener who, um, is curious about this. I know one of my favorite authors is Bruce Lipton. Um, you know, he wrote The Biology of Belief. Um, he also wrote uh, the other book of his that I've read. I read with my wife. I highly recommend uh, The Honeymoon Effect. Uh, but he talks a lot about epigenetics and he's a cell biologist. Um, you know, he'll talk about how, um, you know, at the cellular level, you can have identical cells in three different environments. One will end up becoming um, fat cell. Another will be become muscle cell. Another one, bone. So, and those are, you know, they start out identically. So it just goes to show how much your surroundings can impact, um, you know, something that we are kind of led to believe as a little more permanent and unchangeable. Um, you know, and I think your story really speaks well to this, that, um, you know, maybe you had some genetic predispositions towards certain conditions, but, you know, you have managed to, um, you know, put yourself in the right environment, whether that's diet, thoughts, mindset, relationships, to, uh, really improve your um, your condition, and I think that's it's um, really admirable. And um, you know, I, you are the ingredientologist, and I, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to uh, you know go through this without uh, asking you about 
supplementation. I'm just curious. You've got a lot of um, experience, both yourself and with clients. Um, are there any supplements that you find a lot of people, um, you know, coming in to see you can really benefit from? Absolutely. Uh, but obviously, you know, there is bioindividuality there, not only on that epigenetic level we were just talking about or, or blood work, but also compliance. You know, just it doesn't matter what you tell someone. Like They need to be taking it for it to work. So you have to keep that in mind, too, that, you know, compliance matters. And if they're only going to take, you know, six pills a day, then you can't, you know, tell them to take 20. Or if they don't like pills, period, then you can't you can't tell them to take pills. You'd have to do you know powders or liquids or whatever. So you definitely have to you know factor in the humanity in the equation. Um, but there's definitely like my top ten like that I would recommend for everyone. Uh, vitamin D three is very high on that list. Uh, you're hearing now about it more than ever because of COVID. It's kind of the anti-COVID really as it relates to this, um, the ACE2 um, way that the SARS slash COVID viruses like get into the cell, um, vitamin D is, is potent against that. Um, there's data, more and more data coming out about that. And it's just strengthening the immune system in general. It's not just a vitamin, it's a hormone. It's part of this endocrine cascade and um, it affects, you know, we used to think it was just bone health and now it's, you know, mood and, uh, obesity, insulin sensitivity, uh, obviously the immune system and, uh, brain health and just so many things. Uh, vitamin D is, is absolutely incredible. And especially if you're someone who lives kind of north of like that line of maybe Atlanta, like Southern United States, like during those winter months, then you need to get vitamin D for sure. Certainly if you're working inside a lot, you need to get vitamin D. Um, so I would definitely supplement with five to 10,000 I use a day of that. I would take K2 with it. Um, that can have like a synergistic effect. Um, my second ingredient would be berberine. Uh, there's a ingredient I like that's even better than it called dihydroberberine. I have a patent on, but the reason I'm saying that is there's never been an ingredient like metformin as a drug until berberine and berberine actually outperforms metformin and metformin is typically used with diabetics, but anti-aging people have, uh, you know, grabbed onto it because lowering hemoglobin A1C, lowering blood glucose, lowering insulin also reduces inflammation, improves lipids and triglycerides and uh, you reduce glycation, which is also associated with advanced glycation end products, which is called ages appropriately. So basically, this compound can help you live longer. Um, and according to like metformin, it looks like it's about two years longer in healthy people, let alone diabetics. Um, so then dihydroberberine is about five times more active than regular berberine. Um, so it's considerably better than, than something like metformin potentially, but you know, always work with your doctor on that. Um, but that would probably be my number two. 
uh, above all supplements. Then I would probably get into, let's see, I like fish oil, a high DHA fish oil, anti-inflammatory, protects the brain, uh, protects the heart. Um, we're definitely too skewed on omega-6 fatty acids over omega-3s. Um, after that, let's see, I'm going to go magnesium. Um, probably about 300 different reactions in your body depend on magnesium. And if you think about muscle strength, bowel health, brain health, uh, immune health, uh, there's just bone health. There's so many things that magnesium is essential for. And about 70% of the population is deficient in. So that's definitely one to take. My favorite form is glycinate, magnesium glycinate. Um, and, and that's a cheap one. And several of these are actually not expensive. The fish oil is not expensive. The, the um, magnesium glycinate is not expensive. And then creatine monohydrate is my next one. And that's not expensive. Most people think of creatine for bodybuilding and power athletes. Uh, but creatine is incredible on so many other fronts. Again, we're studying it and it helps with traumatic brain injury, helps protect the brain. We're seeing it helps with eye health, reproductive health, um, bone health. It's a potent methylator, meaning it protects DNA. Um, so creatine is really one of these ingredients that's, um, I think every single person should be on and it should be in a multi, like every single multi should have it. Um, let's see. Then I would go with probiotics. Uh, I think having like a healthy, like prebiotic, probiotic, and even something now called a postbiotic, which is butyrate, uh, which is the short chain fatty acid that you're your gut makes with the healthy bacteria, the probiotics, um, that together collectively prebiotic, probiotic, and postbiotic can make something called a symbiotic that all work together with your gut health. And we've found that gut health is not just about digestion, but about 70% of your immunity lies there. And we thought that was a big deal. So we're like, Hey, you know, immune issues, maybe this has to do with the leaky gut with the, um, dysbiosis with too much bad bacteria over the good bacteria. That's all true. But there's also a gut brain axis. And we find just as many, if not more neurotransmitters in the gut than the brain. So much so we're wondering, is that our brain? And the second brain might be the thing in our head. So it's very interesting, uh, the data that's going on right now. Uh, there's definitely a deep link and the two are inextricably connected. So you have to think about your mental health, depression, well-being, autoimmune health, et cetera, starting in your gut. Um, so that's a very important thing to do. Um, from there, I would go to uh, vitamin C, but in the liposomal form, you really can't take high dose vitamin C without getting GI distress and you have some absorption issues. And so I would go with uh, the liposomal form of vitamin C. And that's been shown to be pretty potent when it comes to collagen formation, immune system, being a great antioxidant, but then certainly with uh, some of these uh, SARS viruses as well. Um, 
I'm trying to think of what, oh, alpha GPC. Uh, it's a form of choline that's uh, very bioavailable, passes the blood brain barrier. Uh, so it can work in your brain where you have acetylcholine, which is one of the key neurotransmitters that has a lot to do with focus and, and thought. Uh, but also like um, these phospholipids that make up your brain. Uh, it's very important for us. So that's my favorite form of choline. That's one I'd get in. And then I like the coenzymated B vitamins. And what that means is B vitamins that are in their active form. So they don't need to be converted. Most supplements, most daily multivitamins, cereals, and all these fortified things have these cheap versions of B vitamins where they have cyanocobalamin, um, pyridoxine, hydrochloride for B6. They have um, just folate. And what happens is, like, for example, with folate, some people have the MTHFR uh, gene uh, issue where they can't convert the folate all the way to its active methylfolate through all these enzymatic steps. So what they need is the active form. And it's very common to have this issue. And same with like B12, it needs to be in its active form, methylcobalamin. So I like getting these uh, active forms. And then with B6, it's called P5P is the active form instead of pyridoxine. So that's important. Um, and I think you might feel the difference if you've never felt a multi, if you get the active forms. So those probably are atop my list. Um, I, I can't think of um other ones that i'd like highly recommend right now um, i think that's it all right well that's terrific and we'll make sure that um that we have these in the show notes and the show notes for the listeners will be at uh com slash podcast slash sean um but we'll have uh have those supplements listed out there so that um you know if you're looking for a reference you want to um, you know, you want to try some of these out and see, um, see if they can benefit you. You'll have those listed out. Um, you know, going back to, uh, to your story, Sean, um, you know, now that you've improved your health, what's one thing that you enjoy doing that you couldn't do before? Wow. That's a really good question. Um, I think I still, I still play sand volleyball pretty competitively and I'm 46 years old and, um, you know, I just played all day Saturday and Sunday. Uh, it was beautiful here in Dallas. It's about 75 degrees and sunny on both days and, and, um, and I'm still very competitive out in sand. I'm, you know, I'm getting up and spiking the ball. I have nice serves. I can get out, you know, get down and lay out and dive and I can block the ball and, and play with people that are, you know, 25. So, um, I think that's a good barometer for me. Like, and I derive a lot of pleasure out of it. It's just, can I still, you know, be competitive? Can I still play the game at a, at a pretty high level and, and be proud of that? And, and I, and I get so much, uh, euphoria out of that so like it's it's uh that's probably the biggest one for me and and obviously when i was inflamed and had deep chronic fatigue and depressed like you know i would 
I would second guess my every play. If I had the depression, I might be exhausted, you know, a game or two in. I wouldn't certainly wouldn't be able to play eight hours like I have been playing now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably a big one right there. Um, and then, you know, with the inflammation and the autoimmunity, like the next day I'd be really regretting it too. Like my body would be shutting itself down and saying, don't do this anymore. So I think me doing a lot of the strategies I have to get that bigger stress bucket, that bigger allostatic load and doing like healthy amounts of exercise around this and, and stretching and mindset and hydrating and eating right and supplementing and all these things has allowed me to excel when I need to excel athletically. That's really terrific. And sand volleyball has a special place in my heart too, because um, it was actually um, through being randomly put on the same team a little over five years ago, um, sand volleyball team. That's how I met my now wife, uh, Hillary. So uh, yeah, sand volleyball is uh, a, a great, um, yeah, a great recreation. That's for sure. Um, you, know, you mentioned earlier uh, your book, The Energy Formula. Um, could you just uh, tell us a little bit about that and um, you know, when people might be able to find that and where they might be able to find it? Yeah, so uh, it's it's really about my my lifelong struggle to find energy, and uh, a number of the ingredients that I've patented, like tea cream and dynamine, and and more to come, have revolved around giving yourself energy. Um, and uh, those are in over five hundred products, like pre workouts, fat burners, energy drinks, things like that. And so my lifelong pursuit, like if I was to encapsulate it, has been revolving around energy. But I made this book be an acronym for that, where it's experiment, like biohacking and 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 looking at your bioindividuality, like we were talking about. Then uh, nutrition, like thinking paleo and keto, like we talked about. Uh, exercise, think high intensity interval training, which we covered. <laughs> Um, and some of these techniques like that you can look into like blood flow restriction, intraset stretching, drop sets, supersets. There's really some great techniques out there. And then, um, uh, routines like morning and nighttime routines and circadian rhythm, being mindful of how to operate around that. Um, then growth, uh, like growth mindset, like we talked about with stoicism and things like fasting which I also do as well. I do extended fast probably about once a month and then uh, do intermittent fasting daily. And then the How last one. Extended fast um, that three you days. do. Three, three days. days. Okay. Very cool. Uh, and then um, your tribe is the last one, which we talked about as well, the relationships. So that's the idea of energy being an acronym there for experiment, nutrition, exercise, routines, growth, and your tribe. And so it's it's those things that I feel like you put them together and you'll have a lot more longevity and put more life in your years than just um, years in your life. You know, I'd rather that you live uh, a better, healthier, more fulfilling life than just a longer, miserable life. So I think that's very important. Uh, but yeah, that's what the book's about. It's coming out February 16th. 
Um, you'll see it on energyformula.com and seanwells.com. That's S-H-A-W-N-W-E-L-L-S, seanwells.com. And then you can also see me on my social um, at Ingredientologist, a scientist of ingredients, Ingredientologist. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And yeah, I encourage uh, the listeners to uh, check out Sean's work on social and check out energyformula.com. Um, thank you so much for uh, your time this evening, Sean. I really appreciate it. Um, do you have any, you know, for anyone who uh, does lack energy or, you know, maybe they're dealing with a condition, uh, you know, one of the conditions that you had, do you have any closing uh closing thoughts or closing message for anyone in their shoes? You know, I think the idea like Joe Dispenza talks about where you are the placebo, like people always made it like the placebo effects, like almost taking like those dummy people out of it. And I see it as just the reverse, like where you can control with your mind. You don't need the pill. And this is coming from a guy as like a supplement guy. You don't need the pill. You have the power in your mind to change your life, to change your health. And so none of this is damning. You can let it be your hero's journey. It's all about that mindset. The obstacle is the way. If you feel like this disease is frustrating, then find a way towards ease. Start making the steps. Get away from the people that are negative in your life. Change those words that you're saying to yourself that are negative in your life. Find something that really lights you up as a job and a hobby. Find that significant other that really lights you up and gets you. Start reading books that like really connect with you. Start listening to podcasts of people that you want to be like and emulate. Start putting those mentors around you that you want to be like and emulate. Start getting friends that show up on time, that treat you well, that lift you up. Start making these changes. And then, of course, better nutrition. Put that food in your body that's, that's healthy for you. You know, choose the organic. Choose the whole food. Start hydrating. Start going to sleep on time at the same time every day. Make a, a sleep fortress. Make it all about sleep in that bedroom. No TVs, no devices, none of that. Don't be looking at blue light at night, you know, from your, your phone, your tablet, your readers, your TV, whatever, computers. Two hours before you go to bed, no devices. You know, start thinking about what you're putting in your body, be it your brain, your gut, or whatever, going in your ears, going in your eyes. What are you looking at? What are you listening to? What are you consuming? And be intentional. If you're intentional about it, you can find your way out of anything. There is no one that's been defeated by whatever you're facing. There, there's no one that hasn't beat it at some point. I know it. Like, no matter what it is, someone's overcome it. So you can overcome it. There's nothing that is going to shut you down and end you. Unless you, unless you let it, you can beat it. That's a really empowering and 
energizing message. Uh, thank you so much, Sean, for coming on. You got it. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to You Here and What. Join us again soon for another story of healing.